Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Happy Hour podcast. I'm your host Christy and this is episode 40 and today's topic is the Zero Trust Security Model. The Zero Trust uh, Security Model is a cybersecurity approach and when organizations also typically use this model, what's behind it is the trust issue, comes down to trust, and it challenges the traditional notion of trusting different entities based on their location within within the organization or if they're outside the organization's network. So that is the zero trust framework. So trust is not as never assumed and the verification process is constant and it's a constant ongoing, regardless of where the person is, the employee is, the customer is, regardless where the user is. So the principle behind this is it operates on never trust and always, always verify. So what is the main goal of the zero trust model? The goal is to prevent unauthorized access to data and its services and ensure that access is given on a granular level as possible. Other primary goals, other goals are to enhance security, which is always a good thing, protect sensitive data, and mitigate cyber risk. Today's work environment, I would say most, not all, within the workplace is a hybrid environment. So working remotely and working in the office. And you have these connections of applications, data, and people. So you can see the access to these critical information must be protected. We can't assume that a member of staff is actually logging in from a said location and they're actually that person, that's that user. So they must find a way to constantly verify and never, never trust. What is the key thing here? So let's walk through this. So first of all, the identity of the user must be verified. So User authentication is a fundamental aspect of zero trust. So the users, the devices must authenticate their identity before accessing any resource. And as I said this, as I said previously, this verification is an ongoing process. Zero trust model also uses the principle of least privileged access. And what this does, this this again is access by giving users and the devices, they, they, well, these, they must have the minimal level of access that is necessary for them to do their job, to complete the job or the task. So any unnecessary permissions is restricted. And what this does, really, the effects of this is that it reduces the potential impact if there's a security breach at all. Micro-segmentation. So again, the network, so you have a network, and they're divided into smaller segments. And within these segments, each segment will have its own access control. The advantage of this is it reduces or limits lateral movement across the network, making it more challenging for attackers to navigate what's inside the network. Because the objective of attackers is once they, they, they have reached your perimeter, then they go in and try to move laterally across your, your, your network in the, with the objective of gaining admin, admin rights. So the smaller segments, enforces 
or reduces security risk. Let's say one segment is breached, then the others will uh, are secure and or they will have time to further protect themselves. Continuous monitoring. So again, the zero trust requires continuous monitoring across the network. So what does it monitor? It monitors the user's behavior. So for example, a user works 95, less than 95, and they typically log in 8.30 a.m. Typically finish about five, yes? Giving the employee half an hour. But if the there's a change in the behavior pattern. If they're still contracted to work nine to five, however, their their account is logged. It's all logging in. Let's say ten p.m. at night. Then that will obviously trigger a red flag. So there's ongoing monitoring and also device health check. So again, so any deviation from any of these behaviors can. Then what this does is it will trigger an alert to either to the admin, to get security admin on, so that they can further investigate to ensure that they're not the organization is not being breached. So with the zero trust model again, they're assumed they've been breached. Compared to the, our traditional security models that focus on the defense, defense, okay, let's 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 protect the defense. With the zero trust as it assumes that threats can come from both external and internal sources because some sometimes the threats are thinking oh there's hackers uh, uh, people coming in and sometimes the threat sources within okay so with the shift in this mindset if the, the focus is towards early detection and containing the threat encryption so there is encryption so how does this work in this model it's securing data in transit and at rest so when the data is going from point to point Throughout that tr that transmission, the data is encrypted, and these components are critical of zero trust. And what this does is ensures that even if an unauthorized entity gains access, the data will remain unreadable because it's encrypted. It remains unreadable without the decryption keys. So there are many technologies that can be used to implement zero trust architecture. And some of them, people will be familiar with them already. For one, let me give one example. Multi-factor authentication, single sign-on, typically used today in most organizations, I believe. So the important part of the zero trust implement implementation is to ensure that the trust is not based on the network, as I was mentioned before, the network segmentation, I would say. And how this works is obviously the zero trust. So the user must authenticate using usernames, passwords, which are by, just by those two on its own are easily compromised. So there must be a third aspect of something that you have to ensure that the user can be identified and to reduce the impact of credential breach. Also, single sign-on as well. So users can sign in with one set of credentials and access all enterprise applications. Identity and access management is a key aspect of zero trust. The this identity access management provides things like privilege access management, central identification of, of governance, but role-based attributes access controls, our back and add a back, just-in-time access, 
This helps personnel to access systems on a need-to-know basis. The Zero Trust Network Access, also known as the Software Defined uh, Parameter STP, and in this instance, it gives an advanced access solution and then allows users to connect an application if they need to perform certain tasks for the, within their roles. Zero Trust Network Access replaced Zero Trust Network are replacements for virtual private networks. VPN does offer a secure connection and gives the user access to the, to the entire network. Uh, however, with this zero trust focuses on a particular segment. Other solutions are Secure Access Edge, which is a cloud-based service that provides a wide access, well, wide access networking, remote access as well, security functionality to the user. Again, what are the benefits of zero trust? So by implementing least privileged access and micro-segmentation, the attack surface is significantly reduced uh, and limits the potential impact in the security incident. Zero Trust model provides a proactive and dynamic approach to security. And as we know, our threats are evolving and it helps to adapt to evolving threats and vulnerabilities. Data protection, continuous monitoring and encryption. I mentioned encryption before and also protects sensitive data. And what is it we're protecting against unauthorized access? With the changing environment, hybrid work, hybrid work, remote work, hybrid work, it helps to adapt to modern network environments. And again, we're focused on security here, so it ensures that those environments are, are secure compared to traditional networks where the boundaries are defined. It can help support compliance, so the zero trust models align with most regulatory requirements. Why? Because they enforce strict access controls and data protection measures. And whilst the zero trust model offers, as I've, I've listed a, a few advantages uh, with the objective of enhancing cybersecurity, there are some disadvantages I would also like to mention because it's not all bells and whistles. So implementing this model could be quite complex because you have to fully understand the techn well the technologies within or technological solutions within these type of models and these can be challenging for organizations if especially if they have legacy systems and implementing and then you could not just implement then you have to configure the necessary components and then break as so these are segments breaking down a segment into micro segments and then monitor them continuously requires some time and having various resources in place to achieve this. This advantage, I would say, involves the user experience. So when you when you you are going to change user behavior, and as we all know, I will say this: as humans, some some of us are resistant to change. And what I'm saying is change here is that the organization is going to introduce new or rigorous, rigorous authentication and access controls. And with these new experiences, it can it will take time to, to have some sort of acceptance. So then the users or your staff may need to go through additional verification depths.
And during this, this process, it can affect productivity because it will take time for some people, to, some users to uh, get accustomed to the system and also user satisfaction. Zero trust model also can be resource intensive. And why is that? Because of the continuous monitoring. So not just monitoring, is analyzing the data that's been captured from the network in order to ensure that threats are, well, the threats are not actual threats, okay? And with these continuous monitoring, it provides, it's about the system has to provide ongoing resources. So it needs to, it needs to compute these results. And again, it can be resource tiresome, or I'll say resource intensive. Training. So you've implemented, the system has gone live. Then you need to train the users on how to use the system, how to understand and how to adapt to the zero trust model. So again, training must be provided. What, is your tra what are we training them? Understand the importance of authentication, access controls, and other security measures. Now, I think some organizations, obviously, they will have some of these implemented because I mentioned before, multi-factor authentication, single sign-on. So some of it will not be foreign. However, if there's going to be changes and with additional steps, especially for those organizations that do not have these solutions in the, as part of the infrastructure, then it would take time for some behaviors to change. Cost. Now, the initial cost of implementing zero trust model includes acquiring and configuring necessary technology. So you're going to have to get the technology and configure it. And that time, it may take time, not just to configure, to test as well. And again, the ongoing maintenance and updates of the solution can contribute towards long-term expenses. Despite these potential disadvantages, many organizations find the benefits of adopting a zero-trust model at the challenges. So successful implementation requires careful planning, doing a thorough risk assessment, and having a commitment to ongoing improvements and adaptation. If you have enjoyed this episode, I greatly appreciate if you can follow our podcast and leave a comment. It would help us reach more people if you could share this as well. And please stay tuned for upcoming episodes where I will dive into very compelling topics or introduce a new guest. I'm looking forward to giving you more valuable insights. Until next time, keep learning, growing and taking action. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.